Hello, and welcome to Time to Say Goodbye. This is a very exciting episode. It's our first international episode, I believe. <laughs> is that right? Yeah. I guess so. Is that? Definitely. Did we ever do an episode? Well, well, I guess none of us could travel. I was going to say. I mean, we've had international sh- guests. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Okay, well, we're coming to you worldwide today, uh, you know, on both sides of the Pacific Ocean. Andy is uh, somewhat close. How close is Philadelphia to the Atlantic Ocean? I, I have no idea. We're on the Atlantic, yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, You're on the Atlantic Ocean? There's a beach? No, I mean, the Delaware River is an inlet of the ocean. <laughs> There's a ocean. river. <laughs> yeah. It's one of the, all the, all the colonies. Know. That's called, that's a river. That's why it's called a river and not I an mean, ocean. I don't know, man. Uh but it's very close. Yeah, we're on the Atlantic for sure. <laughs> okay, what's a close like? Are you? My Jersey's sense of the beach, entire right? Mid-Atlantic uh-huh. is that there are no beaches except for there are some but, Beach. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Exactly. But I feel like all the beaches on the East Coast are sad and not worth going to. That's my very West Coast. <laughs> Just, sorry to offend everyone. Yeah. No kidding. I, I will say in the South, the Outer Banks are quite nice, and Myrtle Beach is an experience. But I'm glad I went there younger yeah, before I, I understood, um, you know, what my the plight of of the of the Asian person in America. Because you know, <laughs> like, now I think I would go to Myrtle Beach and I'd be like, oh "What God. the fuck?" You know, um, this is so many so many white people oh, here. Yeah. When I was like six, I wasn't thinking that way. You know, I'd be like, "Oh, let's play mini golf and buy a hermit crab." Yeah, I don't know. This is South Carolina. You guys know, didn't a, do like spring break there. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I went to Daytona Beach for spring break one of the years, and um, it was fun. Anyway, this is we are off the rails already. Tammy <laughs> is in Korea. That is why hey she's on the other side of the Pacific. Korea does not have that many beaches except at Jeju-do, right? And um, <laughs> no, there's a lot. Where where else? All over. I was oh, in Busan yeah, once. On the beaches. It there, is a peninsula, right? Yeah, I like the beach at Busan. It's all like not yeah. much surfing in Korea. Is it? Know. Yeah. Well, it's too cold now. I guess on uh, yeah on Jeju-do and some of the southern beaches they have good surfing. I've heard. I don't know. I've never surfed. I have no idea. Well, it, there's always time, you know, <laughs> to learn. Tammy, Thanks. what are you doing in Korea? Hey guys, I'm here for about three months or so, maybe longer, trying to put together a longer project and see people and do some reporting i've been trying to come out here since 2000 since basically the start of the pandemic so it's my first chance yeah i feel like the first episode you mentioned you were planning i know it was like i was trying to go i thought you were in korea oh wait no there's no way you're in korea you're gonna go to korea to report on masks and stuff anyway but yeah so i'm here with my mom and we're in a very small private quarantine uh, it's like an Asian micro apartment kind of thing in yeah. Korea called Opistel, office tell. Mm. And yeah, it's okay. It's it looks kind like of an terrible, insane but fine. <laughs> yeah. No, wait. See, okay. I disagree with Andy here. We're <laughs> going to do you? the amazing audio podcast trick of just explaining <laughs> what we're describing. seeing on our Zoom, even though you can't <laughs> see what's on It looks like Zoom. a Jamiroquai video or something. <laughs> right. No, but that's Jamiroquai. cool. <laughs> Jameer Kwai video. Oh my god, we're really dating ourselves about, right now. I feel like you're. I assume you're talking about the one Jameer yeah, Kwai exactly. video. Right? A video. Like, <laughs> the video. Yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> it's like it was an indefinite <laughs> article, but it could be a definite article. 
Right. It's like, oh, um, I'm talking about the crash test dummy song. Oh, you mean that song? No, the, the other song. <laughs> <There's> a... <laughs> okay. So it does cut. Kind of, I don't think Andy's wrong. I do think that if you had some like lights going on and you're uh, walking on a treadmill, it would yeah. look like the Jamiroquai Quad. Also, video. you're wearing that Dr. Success lighting. It looks very clean. That's really funny. Okay. Tammy, can you like move the laptop around? I guess you can't. Oh, yeah. I want to look around oh. this thing. Yeah, don't. It's too wired. Don't but mess basically, up the... what you're seeing is, yeah. So it's like a lot of the new office tells are kind of like loft, like tiny loft apartments, like the kind of that you see like in videos that are like fold, like Hong Kong apartment that folds up onto itself. Like it's that size. And oh, yeah. it, but it's lofted, so I'm in the part that's the loft. It's just a bed, and then down there is like the kitchen and the living area. You have a stuff. kitchen. So, well, it's like a tiny studio. Yeah, oh, so wow. I'm not in one of the wow. government quarantines. I'm in a private quarantine, which is oh. actually based on like the kind of like Korean blood and soil thing, where like if you have enough relatives of a certain oh. intimacy level, you can do a private quarantine. How many do you need? Could I do it? You could. Do you have aunts and uncles here? Oh yeah, all yeah. Sorts. So it's up to the aunts and uncles level, but if it's more distant than that, you can't do this. Is it, oh wow! Is it because the yeah. demand okay. is too high compared to how many offices you know, there are? So the, no, I don't think so. Because the this one, this is just like an Airbnb that we rented. Okay. Like it's not based on anything. It's I think it's honestly just like kind of deterrent and then a trust thing where your relative has to come to the airport to sign you out and they basically okay. verify that they're going to keep watch over you and if you like flee your quarantine <laughs> they'll get in trouble too so it's basically oh, like a human okay. accountability thing but it's kind of right, messed have, up if you think about it you know i have many follow-up questions number one um so you could leave are they tracking you by your so phone so that was yeah so The phone phone thing is so intense. So there's like basically at the airport, we did like two rounds of fingerprinting and like tendered all of these documents about like our entire family history here. (laughs) And then we have this app on our phone. I've also, we went to the local health center to get tested. And then two times a day, I have to do this like underarm, like thermometer reading that I plug into the app. Wow. And we have oh, and it registers it on the and cloud. it registers like you say like you don't have any of these symptoms and this is your current temperature. You do that two times a day and like I we have a guy who works for the city that we're in right now, which is south of Seoul, assigned to us personally. And if we like miss one, he texts us. Whoa, <laughs> yeah, and he had to like. Yet? Well, so one day he one day we did it at we were like thirty minutes late and he texted us. Wow. So it's very strict. And he had to come on a Saturday to like drop off masks and like cleaning out supplies. Like I feel really bad for these people because <laughs> they're not in the health department. They're just randomly assigned. Like they did this in Taiwan too, where like public servants were just divvied up to and assigned to people yeah. to do different things for the quarantine, which is like kind of it's a like, beautiful like It's like squid thing. game. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have like a giant <laughs> triangle on his face? That's Everything's hilarious. like squid game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I saw this tweet this morning about America's Next Top Model. And I had forgotten about how Tyra Banks basically torment the models on America Top America's Top Model, and they're like, "It's like Squid Game." Oh, really? That's so <laughs> yeah. terrible. The people are getting mad at Tyra Banks, and I was actually quite offended because you know I felt like I watched a lot of that show. Yeah, I was like, like, "How much have you seen?" <laughs> I, I, I I've watched never a seen lot of show. first seasons, and I okay. was like, "Tyra Banks is a genius. She created like a media empire by herself. Like, what other supermodel really? just does that?" Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, she had the Tyra show. She had America's Next Top Model. <laughs> I didn't she had know all that. these like clothing brands. Um, 
But this is Jay's and, next know. profile. Oh man, I, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to do that one. That would actually be great. just be like, but I think I would be too, you know, I think I'd be a little too in the bag. You know? like, well, whatever. People like to watch models trip, you know, and and, <laughs> and fall and like have to walk across oh, like very slippery surfaces and tie rounders. Oh my gosh, that's what they do? Well, yeah, sometimes, not always, but mostly it was like Tyra kind of yelling at them, you know, and being like, listen, you have to, you have to, you have to want this, you know, and it was, it was amazing television. I watched that instead of Friday Night Lights. Um, all right. Wait, Tammy. So Tammy. What is your, uh, yeah, I was going to ask this, like, if you can't go out, how do you get things? Is it this assigned yeah. government worker? So no, so that that's actually kind of been an issue. So basically, like we packed some food, like basic food stuff, to come, and then my mom's brother, who is our like guardian here, who signed us out from the airport, he prepared like some foods that we put in the fridge. Like right, we have rice and like pantan and stuff like that. But a hilarious thing happened where like we didn't think about other things. Like oh, we need like paper products like we have uh, no napkins we uh, have no toilet paper yeah and so then we had to like ask the public servant guy to like get us toilet paper <laughs> wait so there, oh, no. so there are all kinds of humiliations these people where, have to do with where were you supposed us. to buy that you're supposed to bring that from seattle or well that's the thing you can't like basically you have if you are on this level where you are in your private quarantine you basically have to rely on your relatives oh, to see, do it yeah. or have set up something on your phone where you can do e-commerce but that's not super easy to do if you're a foreigner yeah are they close by so no. So that was the other. Oh, like the, the public servant assigned to us is like in the city, but my uncle lives like two hours away. Right. Oh my God. So anyway, you're going to so have he, to be like, hey, can you come get us? Well, so now we're just. Paper? Yeah. <laughs> I know. So we couldn't do that. So that's why we had to ask the public servant guy. And I just felt so bad for him, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> he's like, who are these right. people? And like, I Googled his name and he's like, in, he's like a wastewater management engineer. <laughs> and I'm just like, this poor guy, like, probably went he's to like, college, yeah, studied yeah. really hard. Now he's getting me toilet paper. You know? Does he? Well, it's kind of his job anyway, wastewater. But is, is his. I know. I was going to say, it's like, listen, Fair I enough. have some ideas. <laughs> That's you know, a little too close, I've right? Been, I've guy. been working on some alternatives to toilet paper, and I, I've, I've been waiting oh for a God. test subject for but years. He's not, he's not going to his job and also helping you. Like, this is his new job. He right? is. Oh, wow. Oh, no. Okay. Oh boy. Yeah, that's a thing. Like, I was thinking about whether, like, what happened with the public sector unions and if there were negotiations around that, because he had to do this on a Saturday. Anyway, Yikes. it's been a very <laughs> funny experience. But now we have plenty of toilet paper. We're like rationing the eggs we have. Oh my God. It's going to be Thanksgiving in a few days. We're not going to have any special food. Can you get a turkey? Can you be like, listen, there's this animal in America. It's called a turkey. We need you to go find one. <laughs> yeah. They might, I there's think no oven wild. here in they're Korea. They're wild on Jeju-do, and I need you to shoot one and bring it back to us. It's very important. It's part of our custom. Oh. Every time I, I look I, over at what my mom's doing, she's like Googling food on her phone. Oh my God. There's like literally, I cannot imagine that there's a Can you get a turkey in Korea? This is going to, like, I'm sorry for the listeners who live in Korea and um, who think I'm extremely ignorant about. Listen, it's true. I have no idea. Can you get a turkey in Korea? I have not eaten turkey since I was a small child. So I have no Do they idea have a, what. Does Seoul have Costco? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure you can get a Costco. Well, and also, I, so like, really? are you that confident? Do you think that they? Have, I'm okay, very confident. There's a lot of Costco. I'm very confident. I don't know if they're native, though. Yeah, they definitely would be imported. I feel like I got a turkey. I think in I went once. to Costco in Korea. Yeah, 
Oh, I did go to Costco and Crave. There's a lot of Costco's here. And also because right. of the military bases, there's like right. so much right. American right. stuff. Everywhere. Oh, that's right. They're I definitely bet. important. Yeah. Like, yeah. Right. Well, if we were out, we would probably just go to like Thanksgiving dinner on the military base. But anyway, we're here. Right. And so we're The important questions are being asked here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I can't imagine. How do you get a turkey for Thanksgiving? <laughs> so if it's that hard for you oh and you God. have relatives there, I can't imagine how hard I this know. must be for. And even if they like have relatives, but they're on the, like the south of, you know, the south part of South Korea, like. Well, that. But was then the you have to go to the government one, Andy, and then in the no, government one, they bring you food. Oh, really? Yeah, you could. But okay, so if I had rel- if I was going to relatives in like Busan, uh-huh. they also have this entire amazing system where like you land at Incheon, they have special transit for like the infected people like us uh-huh. who are not really infected but like problematic, and then they like f- basically have a, like a connection huh. where you're like in a particular car of the train. Yikes! To like go to that. Wow, and the train. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like amazing. I mean, anyway, but we had so we took like two we took like two buses here. Okay. And so they can they can track you via GPS to see if you've left your room. Is that true? Yeah, and also the guy who rented the Airbnb to us was like, "Do not go outside because other people have done quarantine in here and he's like they check the CCTV." <laughs> oh shit. Yeah. Wow. So like yeah. the city officials because they're in charge of you like if they want to inspect they'll do that but you know people sneak out my friend was just like texting me advice on like when to sneak out because he was like if you do it before 8 a.m they won't know but we're not going to do that okay but what happens if you get caught you get deported right you can get deported you can also get fined and do jail time technically that's not worth it how many days do you have to stay in there so 10, but we're probably going to stay 11 because the other thing is you have to test before you leave. And if the test doesn't come out in time, you have to right. stay longer. Right. So Ugh. anyway, it's been an adventure. What day are you on? We're on day four. Okay, how's it, well, how's I have a suggestion for you. You can watch America's <laughs> Next Top Model. <laughs> <laughs> There's like... 45 seasons where do you what i don't even know if i can access it because also like hbo max isn't in korea and i was like oh i'm gonna like binge all these hbo shows and i can't is the the succession has been quite disappointing this year so or this season so i wouldn't you're not really missing very much here um and the netflix is different andy yeah Yeah. what is it is it all there's a lot more korean content (laughs) oh really my netflix is all when i sign in it's like all k-dramas algorithm because the only thing i watch because that's what yeah (laughs) because the algorithm knows you yeah i'd like have to i have to like punch it you know how you punch in letters with your remote if i try and find something that's not you know a k-drama i have to do that it's very annoying (laughs) and so then i just don't watch anything i'm not I'm not punching in the first four letters of a title. <laughs> are you crazy? You know, the Bucks are playing the Hornets. I'll just watch that. <laughs> I'm not watching this documentary to enrich myself. Four letters. Just give it to me. Um, are you guys? I did watch Cowboy food? Bebop on. Oh, uh, so is that yeah. good? I thought it was good, but I have never seen that anime. It was fine. Yeah, um, is it a Korean one or is it? No, it's no, Japanese. it's Japanese. right. But it's, oh, you mean the live action? action. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, yeah, it's John Cho. It's American. It's John Cho. It's John Cho. Mustafa okay. Shakir and Daniela Pineda. Is it a? Um, yeah, you know more about it than me, but yeah. <laughs> I want to see it. I'm curious. It's pretty good, I think. But I think I'm not supposed to say that. But I enjoyed it. 
And I only watched it because I had I uh, interviewed John Cho for the Times, some internal thing. I think I can talk about it. It's like you know, like the Asian ERG group, you know, and um, you know what ERG e- is? employee resources group. Yeah, or? yeah, yeah. There's like an Asian. It's like a Slack channel, and other, a lot of the Asian people at the Times are in it. Anyway, so I John Cho was nice enough to do a whole interview for that, and so I interviewed him. What did and he so then I watched say? it, What's and at the beginning I was like, I'm gonna. I'm going to just watch like the first episode and pretend I've watched the second and third episodes, you know, and I'll just read like the <laughs> yeah. synopsis of the episode. But I actually watched the whole thing. It was very entertaining. Oh, wow. It's fun. He's like an action star in it. And he like, you know, does a lot of wisecracking. I actually think that's kind of like his thing, you know, like I think that's what he should do. Like Wisecracks? Should... Yeah. Like he should or play action. like kind of like a jerky character, you know, I think it's hmm. like compared to what else? I don't know. He He could do it. Harold and Kumar, he's very funny. You know, he's like the straight man. He's very funny in Harold Kumar. Right. I tried to refrain from only asking him questions about Harold (laughs) Kumar. That movie you made 20 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know that movie that everyone only asks you about and still like, you know, you'll be walking down the street and some Asian dude who's like 43 years old will be like, Harold, (laughs) you changed my life. I finally saw myself on the screen <laughs> also my friend dinesh and i like we that was our that was our shit man <laughs> i think oh we have God. a request for us to do harold and kumar on our show we oh, should yeah, do we a movie should. group yeah. let's get why yeah, and we classic, can do harold yeah. and kumar that's a good totally. idea okay it's anyway so funny. Um, um okay and you are there to do a project you're gonna be there for three months it's very exciting are you excited to be there yeah, yeah. And I'll send updates, obviously. Maybe we'll talk about Korea stuff. But yeah, it's good. Yeah. I mean, there's also a lot of stuff happening here, like the presidential election is going to be in March. So there's a lot of chatter about that. And, you know, the usual Korean political is scandals this, and all that. Is this a good time? Who's winning? Who's going to win? Oh, sorry, Andy. Go well, yeah. well, you can ask. Finish your is that what you mean, Andy? No, is this a good time weather-wise? <laughs> Oh, weather-wise. <laughs> um, I mean, it's very hot in our Airbnb. I have no idea what it's like outside. I just looked at But yeah, it's going to be – it's like a Korean winter. Like it's, it's, it's like an East Coast winter. Okay. Yeah. It's so cold. Yeah. I kind of like it, though. It's very like – you know, oh, like God. I love going to the temples in the winter with the snow and all that. So um, yeah. And then – oh, so the presidential election, it's not looking super good for Lee Jae-myung right now, who's the Democratic candidate. The opposition candidate, the right wing candidate, Yusuf Myar, seems to be polling pretty well. So we'll see. Um, Lee Dae Myung is caught in a little bit of like a past like scandal around real estate that has, you know, caught him up a little bit. And I think also there's just it's kind of like the natural vacillation of Korean politics, where I think there's a little bit of a rightward shift right now. Right. Is he he's the Bernie guy, right? He's the Bernie. I think that's a very weird and kind of misplaced, yeah, nickname. Listen, but yeah, the I Bernie Sanders him of Korea guy in Korea. And what I how I introduced the piece when I was at Vice was this is the Bernie Sanders of Korea. But oh, you talked to him about UBI and stuff. Is that? I think so. Honestly, I can't remember. It was a very strange thing because <laughs> okay. it was like I had to conduct the interview in English, you know, and then he mm-hmm. would answer in Korean, and um, and uh, and I was like totally delirious because we had just been at the protests all day, oh, and yeah. uh, and then. And then so I couldn't even really tell what I was saying. And then I was straining to hear him because it was outside. And then there were all these oh, people wow. around us chanting his name. And so I could barely. It was oh a very gosh. strange time. So I have no idea what he said. <laughs> you know? So your job was to 
and understand <laughs> everything he said in Korean yourself and kind of re- well, I mean, I can do him, that, and then reply to him in English. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's big, but there was did how, they dub it with simultaneous my... translation, or did they do subtitles? Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. That was the idea. Yeah, I mean, I actually don't know if I could have interviewed, like, done a political interview in Korean both ways. You know, I mean, it would have been difficult. I think, I think at this point, I definitely right? could, because I had just gotten off the plane. Have to study up the jargon and all that too. Right. Yeah. So maybe after like a month, I could kind of probably not i don't know could you can you do that do you can you do that tammy like do you think you could interview like a a political candidate i've i've done well i haven't interviewed a candidate but i've interviewed politicians i mean usually i i like in the process of preparing for it will like read in and learn all the jargon of the particular thing you know like each story like i'll have to learn a new set of vocab basically but yeah sort of yeah (laughs) i could understand what he was saying because he's old or older and older Koreans, I, it's easier for me. Younger <laughs> younger people, I'm just like, I have no idea what any of these words are. Do you feel like they're like, do they slur? The is slang the is so intense, too. They kind of slur, they kind of slur their words together. Yeah. At least that's what my mother says. Yeah. Like, I did this thing where I like was trying to make this documentary about these, I, I, this is so much rambling, but we're going to get to the show very soon. I was trying to make this documentary about these young e, e-sports kids, and I had this guy in um, Korea like sort of film them. And I showed it to my mom and she was like, I can't understand a word that this kid <laughs> right. is saying. And I was like, I, I was like, I can't either. Yeah. It's just like, it's like slurring, yeah. you know, like you can't <laughs> yeah. it's like enunciate, man, for all the kyopos who can't understand yeah. what you're saying. That's what happens in Taiwan oh. too. The, uh, the young one, yeah, they all slur. Like, what? Really? Um, okay. I mean, that's, that's what yeah. the old people say. It sounds cool to me, but yeah. Can <laughs> you understand it? Yeah, but sometimes I'm like, oh my god, what am I listening to right now? It's like, right, it's like uh, right. it just sounds different than my parents' generation too. for sure. It's like yeah. it's very yeah, like nasally. Slang, I... Yeah, I don't know. I th- I do think oh, there's really? a U.S. influence. I think there's a sort of monotonal influence that made younger Taiwanese people sound more monotone mm-hmm. and more like more val- oh, really? almost valley-ish. Oh, really? The Valley Girl vocal like, fry uh, is international yeah, now, kind of. <laughs> the Koreatown. That's the Koreatown. Do you know like the Koreatown, uh, Koreatown girl vocal fry thing, Tammy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do they do that? Do you is want that... to impersonate? Wait, is it different than <laughs> no. the generic vocal fry? It's like yeah, yeah. It's so it's like Cali Southern thing, but then it has that weird like immigrant accent. My cousin does. You it. know, she was just me speaking English with a vocal yeah. fry. Yeah. Both both sides. Yeah, but English definitely. You know. It's kind of like, what are you doing? That type of thing, but it's a little more, <laughs> less intense. I don't know. Maybe I'll Jay's call my cousin, cousin Helen. Like, oh my <laughs> like, Helen. Do you want to come on the show and just talk? <laughs> um, all right. We have a show today. Okay. We have two things to talk about. The first thing is very fast. Andy, what's going on with Enos Cantor? <laughs> okay, now... To set this up for the listeners who don't know, Enos Cantor is a basketball player for the Boston Celtics. He is dating, I believe, the great-great-granddaughter of John D. Rockefeller. He, at some point, was kind of like this like woke basketball hero because he was very opposed to Erdogan, mm-hmm. right? And, oh, that guy. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's... A guy, he's very bad at playing defense. That's always been his problem. <laughs> he's like the worst defensive player. <laughs> We're just mixing his basketball Maybe ever to play in the NBA. <laughs> but he's an views. extremely good rebounder. He's a pretty good offensive player. But um, yeah. 
he has started this thing where he like is photographed with like John Bolton, for example, right? And he's photographed with uh, Jared Kushner, and he's become this intense anti-China. Kushner, hawk, really? Right? I didn't like know that. He, okay. Oh yeah, he had a photo Whoa. with Kushner. Yeah, okay. but uh, so Enos Cantor started putting like uh, free Tibet on his shoes. And like stop the stop the killings, and like he's become like, and now he's like started calling out other NBA players for being hypocrites for being, uh, you know, like enslaved by Nike, you know, which he says uses child slave labor. It's intense. Yeah. Did you he know? go to woke camp? Like, how recent is this? And he does. <laughs> he has these. It's like the last couple months. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. He has these shoes that are made, and he's just kind of like rolling them out game by game. So it's definitely like prepared. It wasn't. It's not off the cuff. Um, I don't know what's going on. I think, so the background is he was, you know, he's from Turkey. He's a critic of Erdogan. He hasn't been back to Turkey, I think, in like 20, you know, 10 years or so. He's part of this movement that I don't really understand called Gulen, Gulenism. Yeah, he's right? a Gulenist, right? right? Yeah. And Gulen is like the dissident who used to be part of like Erdogan's party in Turkey. And I was in Pennsylvania with me, you know? Right. And right. I'm not really sure. <laughs> I'm not really, yeah, I see him all the time. <laughs> I, I'm not really sure, like, I've... He's like the Robert Reich of Pennsylvania. <laughs> for me. You just see him. You just see him everywhere. Um, <laughs> no, I've never seen him, uh, but you, know, but you look for him. I yeah. So like, I do. My research is like I once asked um, a Turkish person, <laughs> a friend who like is politically involved, and was like, "What do we What do we make of this er- Gulenism stuff?" And like, you know, because Erdogan is obviously like a, a pretty easy target in the rest of the world there's a temptation to think of Gulenism as this alternative. And he was basically saying like Gulenism is not the answer. Like it's just like another political project by another guy, blah, blah, blah. So that's always made, that always gives me like raised red flags with like Cantor. Cause he's very much like, like he would get, he would get um, political traction like on the internet or whatever by being the NBA player with a conscience because he criticizes Erdogan mm-hmm. without obviously anyone knowing like what are his actual beliefs and what is blah, blah, blah. And so I think with this, I don't know what's going on with this. I think the entry point was that probably uh, is Xinjiang, right? And that um, Erdogan and the Turkish government after like a little bit of Googling, I've, you know, I looked, I've, you know, looked this up that they have been kind of, bending to China and like being more tolerant of China through foreign policy reasons. And therefore are, they used to be a real critic of China's treatment of Uyghurs. And now they are like, you know, vacillating on this. So the entry point was probably like, you know, China is um, doing this to Muslim, you know, fellow Muslim people, Turkic you know, speaking people in um, Xinjiang. And this is probably his entry point. And then I think from there became like also Tibet, also Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Also Taiwan. And it's, oh. I think that's my guess as to what's, but I also think more generally he's doing something where he is, obviously his basketball career doesn't matter to him anymore. Well, he's married to the, or he's dating. Yeah. The, seriously dating then. And well, first of all, he's rich himself. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He's yeah. And but, you know, he was the third pick in the draft. He never panned out. So I think he's moving on from that. And the Boston Celtics games have been banned in China from the beginning. So I am actually curious, like, oh. what that's like. Yeah. yeah. So this is the equivalent of the Houston Rockets uh, general manager two years yeah, ago. Yeah, I was going to say, exactly. okay, that's what. The- but that, but that was. Do you think he's trying to prompt something? Because, like, that was my thought. It's like, once I heard I about see. that, that the Celtics games are banned. Yeah. It seemed like he's, like, trying to prompt some sort of response. Right. You know, and then I'm like, 
and he's sort of acting like there's a lot of jokes on Weird Celtics Twitter, <laughs> my favorite Twitter subgroup it's the genre. Most specific, thing ever. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. One of them is in our Discord. It's a great community of, <laughs> of communist Celtics fans. <laughs> <laughs> They're great. I love them. Anyway, there's this sort of ongoing thing that he's like a CIA asset now. Now, they're not being super serious, but he is acting like a CIA. He feels yeah. like he's acting like yeah. a government asset, right? Yeah. Like, cause so that suddenly, Bolton Kushner thing is like now. It's happening now. It's really he recent. He took a photo with Bolton like two weeks ago, and he put it on his Twitter, and he's like, wow. great meeting the man or something like that. Yeah, like, okay. What? That sounds familiar. So bizarre. He's yeah. going wild. And to me, it really feels like he's preparing for some post-basketball career as some sort of, I don't know, right-wing media circuit or international human rights circuit kind of guy. Um, okay. Don't you, I mean, what, don't is you he on that uh, sports visa or is he a U.S. citizen now? I don't know. He's applying for citizenship. Yeah. He's applying, okay. I don't know. What yeah. do you think, Jay? What do you think and is I, going on? I have no idea. Yeah. I mean, I just find it all to be weird behavior. Now, if it's your thing, I would be like, Enos, you know, you could try a little like if the if the if the options are trying a little harder on defense or becoming like a government <laughs> government asset hangout jump ball. Just move your feet more. Man. I don't know, man. Just try a little harder on defense. Like your teammates are like are are uh, relying on you to play a little bit of defense here. You know, like you've been in the league. Like you're very talented. You've been in the league for like ten years yeah. now, and you've never played any. I defense. actually went to a I went to a. Heat- <laughs> I went to a Heat Jazz game ten years ago. It was my only time I've ever seen LeBron James play in person. And uh, like Canner was like a second year player, and he was like he was huge. And I was like, I was like, this guy's the this guy's the future. But well, there's a reason he, never he was the third pick in the draft. Yeah. He didn't even play in college, or he played like one he game was in, in yeah, Kentucky, Kentucky, and then he was hurt. Oh wow! Yeah. But uh, so like he was. I mean, he's crazy. a massive dude who's very skilled, and his knock has just <laughs> always been that he refuses can't, to play. Defense. Can't play Canner. Is that? <laughs> Is the and is the, no, really just, yeah, wow, exactly. right? The the coach anyway. once said can't play Canner on TV. Um, I I I think what's interesting though is like this is basically a rerun of the Rockets thing, but nobody, mm-hmm. everyone is trying their best, at least in sports media, not to cover it. And I do kind of think nobody's covering it. That's true. And why? Do, because of China, like. Yeah, so he's trying to basically twist those contradictions and say like, and, and lean into those contradictions and say like, but you why mean is no, it you don't think league? anyone's covering it because they don't want to make China mad or what? Like, what is the media? Yeah, I don't know. I, that, that's good. That's a good question. I don't know. Um, I think also part of it is that people have no idea why he's doing it and I they see. don't want to figure it yeah, out. Yeah, it might be like because you know, they're just like, for, I'm a sports reporter. It's too speculative. Right it might be like, yeah, and people yeah. sometimes ask him about it, but. You know, then he talks for 20 minutes, you know, and then you're just like, okay, dude, what? I'm just trying to get a quote here. I have to file this by like 8.59 and it's 8.56, you know? So like, why don't we just, I don't know. I, I, I just find it all very weird. Yeah. And I was, um, I, I do know. think it's interesting that if you go this route, there's like a whole like menu of items that you can go through. Like there's Tibet, there's Xinjiang, there's Hong Kong, there's Ta- like he has mm-hmm. nothing. I was like, you have no, you have no interest in Taiwan or Hong Kong, but you've just kind of added it to your list because. No, no. Did you see his interview on CNN, Andy? I I did not watch Hold it. On. Why? What does he say? Okay. Does he? he Wait, while Jay's looking tele- that up, I have a quick question. So the the okay. free Tibet thing that was really alive when we were. I guess in high school and yeah. college, was there like a moment with professional sports then at all? 
Uh, I don't think so. But I mean, I remember the Beastie Boys were really into that, right? That was like the big... yeah, that's right. It was a music thing, right? Because there were all those concerts, you know, and like, like Richard Gere was into but... it, right? And like, so I guess Hollywood yes. was also. But I don't think athletes did. It's interesting. Like okay. he basically has like free Tibet shoes that he wears on the court. It's so weird. It's very bizarre. Yeah. He went on CNN with a free Taiwan yeah. shirt or something. That's okay. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. He went on CNN really? okay. with a Taiwan is a country yeah. t-shirt. I think that's what it said. Oh, wow. And then he also said, um, he also said, okay, I'm reading. Did uh, you watch it? Washington Post headline that says, Taiwan thanks NBA star Cantor for support as Australia pledges to help U.S. and islands defense. You know, okay. There's an oh, obvious wow. joke there. Cantor will not be helping your defense. (laughs) Okay, anyway, thank you. Thank you very much. I'm glad you explained it. I was like, what's the joke? That one's for you. (laughs) Thank you. Out there there in Korea. Um, (laughs) Well, the second thing is just that, yeah, he seems to be making a lot of statements. I mean, he is going down the list, I guess is my point. He's just like, what is every single thing that's going to piss people off? Yeah. You know, and he's just saying it. And I feel like it. that's why it feels like it's sort of like a like I'm not going to cast aspersions or do a conspiracy theory yeah. about it. But it is a bit strange. I'm just going to say it's strange behavior. Yeah, you know? I don't think he's necessarily being paid off to do this. I think like the stuff he's reaching for could just easily I mean he you know like he has a point about a lot of this stuff right it's just sort of and you don't want to like silence him and say you can't say that um and uh yeah it's interesting that there is like I think everyone in the NBA and media are just like attempting to avoid it because that Houston Rockets thing was never resolved they, everyone just kind of pretended yeah. it didn't exact it didn't happen and they tried to move on um and so you know those those tensions are still there I think he also called out um LeBron James and Michael Jordan. So like he's just trolling. The Jordan one was weird because I thought Jordan. So he said Jordan doesn't support black people or black athletes. And like, what? There's the famous story that Jordan in the 90s didn't support a candidate. It was all Harvey Gantt because Harvey Gantt, Jesse Helms. Right. Because Republicans buy shoes, too. But I think Jordan has a pretty good. But he never he actually didn't say that. Oh, really? It was like, yeah, yeah. um, it was like a thing that somebody said. He would have said, right. and then it I became see. like a. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah. Jordan is a pretty good record as a philanthropist. I thought like, so. That that even I mean, you know. it's ridiculous. His his accusation is ridiculous. Yeah. He's like basically saying Michael Jordan cares more about shoes and making money than doing things that are controversial to help the communities of the world. And I'm just like, what are you talking? Like, what? Yeah. Why does he owe this to you? You know? Yeah. And then he is like calling out LeBron. And I just like, oh, he's just trying to get attention. Yeah. But then I was yeah. like, why is he trying to get attention? You know, like, what's he doing this for? He's gonna run as like, a Republican now. Yeah, what happened to what happened to Erdogan, dude? You know, like, <laughs> like what? I am the prize. What are you? <laughs> so yeah, this is interesting all... though, because isn't the Houston Rockets thing that was like an anti-China thing that had like a left-wing cast, and this is an anti-China thing that has a right-wing cast, right? Uh, mm. People try to make it. Well, the issue is, I think. Yeah, people try to make it a left wing thing, but my my takeaway from that was like just you know people in the U.S. didn't understand what's going on and really jumped on it. Um, and I don't know, it was weird because I think there is a, there is a, I mean they have a point when they say like, look, the NBA does try to make itself the social, whatever the social justice league, but mm. definitely doesn't want to say anything about China. Um, yeah, which and they don't even have to say it. Like I don't, I I personally don't think they have to say anything, right? 
but it is like intention with their whole like we're gonna be really political about everything else mm. uh kind of stance which and has about- dissipated by the way oh really okay oh yeah the nba's whole social justice like program yeah. is non-existent especially because like 10 percent of the league is against vaccines or something <laughs> Right. Well, that's a very small amount, yeah. but it's most, you know, like, I don't know. But like the high profile. But people wouldn't call out their teammates for having the wrong right. views. So I think once that, once it became like everyone's entitled to their own position or their own political oh, yeah. thing, then it yeah, became like, true. well, then we have no unified front on anything anymore. It's just like, yeah. we have to respect our teammates' decision not to take the vaccine. Then I think, yeah, I think that kind of zapped the energy of like, we're a political movement. Yeah. It also that's was like, a lot of their politics was determined by being in the bubble. And I feel like they needed like some sort of justification for, they had so much PR that they had to do to justify the fact that they were going to have this basketball mm. bubble thing. And I think that a lot of that PR strategy was that they were going to be, you know, use it as a moment to talk about systemic racism yeah. or whatever. And it's sad because a lot of the That's players, a lot of the players did do that in a very sincere way. You know, but then, of course, it all blows up when they try and do what some people would call the wildcat strike or whatever, like when George Hill and the Bucks mm-hmm. decide to stop playing yeah. and the LeBron calls Obama and Obama's like, <laughs> yeah. you guys got to play. You know, what else am I going to do? I'm stuck here in Martha's Vineyard. You guys are the old, I can't leave my house. <laughs> anyway. Well, what about the WNBA? Because they're pretty political, right? Yeah. Do they talk uh, about world affairs or no. is it just local? I don't think as much. Um, This is a one-person thing, and it's all him. That's why I was curious about it. Um, Nobody knows what's going on. Tammy, you want to talk about trucking? This is a Tammy episode. Yeah, this is too much of me. We can talk generally about supply chains if you guys want. Yeah. Um, Okay. So Tammy wrote an article recently um, about uh, port trucking, there was one week where Tammy was down in Charleston. I was like, what's Tammy doing in Charleston? <laughs> and the answer showed up uh, in the New York Times opinion page. Wrote a piece about sort of, you know, I, I don't know. It was a very interesting piece to me because it was it was about nominally, it was about uh, port trucking, right? So can you just tell what what is port trucking? Yeah, sure. So... Obviously, everybody's talking about supply chains, but most of the, I think, chatter and the consciousness is kind of around <clears throat> all the boats, the ships that are docked and we can't get our stuff. And um, and then maybe less attention to the, the kind of hidden labor of stuff that is overland, which is all trucking. So every single container that comes off of a ship has to go onto a series of trucks to reach our homes, right? And um, port trucking is this particular thing that basically arose with containerization, where there are container trucks that go in and out of ports and they're taking containers from, you know, rail to ship to ship to rail to warehouse. And so they're called intermodal truckers. And uh, since about September, I've been following this kind of emerging movement of truckers called the Truckers Movement for Justice Nationally, which is kind of trying to put together an informal kind of proto-union of port truckers all around the country. And so basically they are in a way like the ground zero for the labor crunch of the supply chain because they're independent contractors. They've been deregulated. They were deregulated under Carter. Um, the whole trucking industry is kind of messed up, but port trucking in particular is where like the independent contracting and like high rates of abuse occur. And so 
at, as like all of these shipping companies are making bajillion dollars of profits as the price to ship like a single container has now gone from like three to 10 times as much as it used to be, the port truckers are actually making less because they are paid on a piece rate basis, sort of like old school garment yeah. workers, where like if you don't move a box, you don't get paid. And so if there's a crunch at the port where there are these stacks of containers and they can't move them, then the truckers are now moving four boxes instead of 10 a day. So that's why I was interested in this. And um, out of the movement for truckers groups that I was kind of following, the South Carolina branch was the most developed. So that's why I went down to Charleston to see what was up in the ports there. Okay. So the, the, when you say the instead of four, they're instead of 10, they're doing four. It's yeah. essentially that like you did a very good job detailing some of the log jams and the reason why it's impossible. Like, you know, there's just backup and everything takes longer. And then in the end, because they're, in a, they're not employees, they're not unionized, they're sort of making 40% of what they made before around, yeah. is that right? Yeah, so a lot of the guys are talking and girls are talking about, you know, making a third to half-ish of what they were earning before the pandemic. And in particular in 2021 or in late 2020 is when they start seeing the <clears> crunch. <throat> so all the stuff we've been talking, like our the lifeline of our show, you know, like we are yeah. Having started during the <laughs> pandemic, like I was kind of like indexing some of what they were saying to different episodes and things that we were talking about. But like basically they because like it's amazing, like I was talking to some people on the West Coast and they were literally like, yeah, everything that happened with like Wuhan, like we saw it immediately on the docks. Mm. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, so for instance, stopped, right? like. Yeah. So like I was talking to, so the other thing is intermodal trucking obviously is very connected to other parts of the supply chain labor force, which is warehouse workers and dock workers. And dock workers is where like most of the unionization is, yeah. you know, like exists, right? Okay. Anyway, so I was talking to like this dock worker in Tacoma, Washington at the port of Tacoma. And he was saying that, you know, they had like heard about Wuhan basically before it was in the US news because stuff kind of started slowing down in terms of shipments. Right. And then there was like a full block. And then at different stages of like opening and then like closure in Vietnam, like they would see that immediately in terms of the cargo showing up. So it's like this incredibly intimate relationship to the water and to, you know, yeah. the goods that we just like expect to show up in sprinter vans. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think that's really, really interesting. And it, but this year with the truckers, it's now reaching kind of a crisis point in a lot of families. Um, this is a question for both of you, right? Which is, uh, I mean, we like had it. One thing that struck me is that the supply chain question is so vital to everybody and it's going to be talked about quite a bit over the next uh basically starting friday like i think that's <laughs> yeah, when the big supply sure. chain right. no like i think that's when all the stories will hit people have been working on the i don't know who but i imagine that people have been working on huge supply chain stories for a long time mm-hmm. television networks are going to cover black friday and they're going to show empty shelves mm. you yeah. know they're going to be like FAO Schwartz in Midtown Manhattan <laughs> once had 77 gigantic bears, but this year there's only 32 giant bears, you know? I mean, like, what unlucky chap did a scratchy, pretty giant bear that they'll hate, you know? Or, yeah. um, <laughs> or, like, you know, dads who want to, you know, like good news for dads, your kids might not have uh, as many ties to buy for you. You know, like you know those ties that your kids buy for you oh that you God. don't want. 
like maybe they just won't be at Nordstrom Rack this time around. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> stuff like that. Like there's gonna be so many stories like that. That was my TV, yeah. by the way. I think I did pretty <laughs> Um the uh so what is well, I don't know. This like Andy, what do you think? Well, how do you think people should actually cover this thing? Because it, it is a very complicated idea, yeah. right? And it's and yet it shows up in people's everyday lives in a way. And one thing that I've noticed is that like I don't know what the narrative is. You know, like I I can like I, I can't conceptualize it in my own head. And so that's part of the reason I haven't written about it, because I'm just like, well, yeah, I don't know if I can't conceptualize it in my head. Then I certainly can't read about it or write. About um, it. Go ahead. So just like reading up on this, I think the real culprit is just COVID shutting stuff down and the fact that you have supply chains progressively, you know, um, uh, Tani mentioned containerization. These things happen in the 70s and 80s and 90s that change the way stuff gets made from like it's made in one location pretty close by to it's made in all these places around the world and also to get the parts to make a car they're not just made in one country they're made in like 30 countries Mm -hmm. so one slowdown in one country fucks up everything else right so that they're incredibly vulnerable um but also if 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 they don't if they work okay then they actually make they they save a lot of money um you know environmental costs etc but you know economically so I think the main issue is that these are very vulnerable things that could be slowed down by COVID. I think the issue, not to like to totally divert this, you know, to a different discussion, but I'll just kind of keep this short. You know, Krugman wrote about this today, but people have been writing about this for a while. Everyone keeps playing up inflation uh, as this big thing that's going to hit the U.S. economy yeah. and the world economy. And that is, you know, very much used by people like Manchin to say, like, therefore, government spending is bad. The economy can't handle right. more spending. Totally. And that is based on this. Uh, monetarist theory that inflation happens when there's all this demand for goods and there's too much money in circulation. So we should cut out the amount of money mm-hmm. in circulation. And people like Krugman and I think most economists who know better are saying, no, this isn't because there's too much money. It's just because of supply chains. There's like there's literally a physical reason why stuff costs more. But once supply chains hopefully get fixed and COVID <clears throat> hopefully gets fixed and we can get around these blockages, Costs should naturally go down, et cetera, et cetera. But my, I think the big fear for a mm-hmm. lot of people paying attention is this inflation push is really going to empower centrists and moder- and right and the right wing to really strike down government spending Definitely. and like the Biden bill and so on and so forth. Yeah, and go austerity. Exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah. so those are two different explanations for inflation. One's like the monetarist one, which is still the mainstream one that I th- like I think most New York mainstream yeah. media in the U.S. still uses. And the other one, I guess you call it cost push inflation as a term I've seen, which is like, it literally costs more because, um, because <laughs> literally like the, the palm oil costs more from Vietnam. But if you get more palm oil from Vietnam, it'll cost less. Like it's that basic and it's not as uh, abstract as the other one, but you know, anyway, so I think that's the other thing that, that people should be, maybe if they want to connect the dots, like all these inflation headlines, I feel like are this mm-hmm. real like um, offensive being led by like I don't know, corporate, whatever, like corporations or whatever. The Chamber of Commerce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Basically the bad, the, the I bad people. I felt like that you know? too. <laughs> yeah, because they're also, some of those people are making really disingenuous analogies to the 70s. Right. And the inflation spirals of that period are so different than what we're seeing right now. It's really not okay to reach In, that far back. Right. Think, so, you know? And they're sort of pegging it to gas prices to, right. exactly. to evoke the 70s, right? right. Exactly. But, it's not like gas is that expensive. It's right. not anything close to what it was before or the same situation. There was that uh, TV clip on that Twitter was making, uh, was talking about a lot like two weeks ago about a woman in Texas who said like the cost of milk has now yeah. doubled or something. And First of all, that was Pennsylvania. <laughs> Secondly, 
That's the guy who did that <laughs> segment was my friend Evan McMorris. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. This is such a media overload show. show. <laughs> he was on the Vice show with me. He's a wonderful dude. I felt so bad. Wait, for so what happened? I didn't actually. Co- I just saw the comment. Wait, so what? There. What was I don't the know. I didn't text him and be like, "Yo, rough day on Twitter today <laughs> with that milk take." <laughs> no you know i but i did i did i he's a good i look i think he's a good journalist and um i don't know you know the correspondent not to throw anyone under the bus but you know i'm just not going to say anything about it he's a good journalist like but i i did i i saw that because i had seen like my 70th tweet about it and then i was like okay i finally have to see what this is and then i was like whoa there's that Poor guy. No, but I don't understand. Yeah. What yeah. was the gist of the? Sorry, the clip. Yeah, I, I, I don't blame him for anything. I'm just saying the clip went viral. Yeah, what happens in the clip? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So Jay, um, what happens? He it was, it was a woman of like it was a family, and they uh-huh. had what like how many kids? They had like seven kids or something. And she was like, I have to buy ten gallons of milk a week, and um and <laughs> the so price milk. of the price of milk has gone up, and, and uh, it's it's really made an impact on my. And then everyone was like, how many gallons of milk are you buying? <laughs> I see. <laughs> and the thing was like, they tried to sort of make it seem like this is this average American family right. you know, is suffering under inflation. Seven kids. Like, yeah. I was like, I don't, or, or it, it might not even been seven kids, but they had like 10 people. It was a lot. Yeah. Household yeah. or something like that. And everyone Apparently, is drinking an enormous amount of milk. <laughs> yeah. I haven't had, I have not had a glass of milk, I bet, since like 1995 <laughs> or something like that. And so that was the other part that didn't. Same. That didn't no, yeah. The Twitter timeline was like, a lot of it was like POC people on Twitter being like, what do white people drink? Milk? <laughs> you know, that was, that was the joke. <laughs> Uh, lactose intolerant jokes. that was also yeah. a trick yeah I was like i can't drink milk what's milk um <laughs> but now but of course we get milk because my kid drinks it. right yeah. um all right well uh tammy what about you how do you think that we should frame this thing because i mean you've done it uh, a couple times now right like i think this is the second piece that yeah this is the second piece that you've written about is, about I supply guess this chain is the, this is like the third piece on like ports or like logistics right. stuff um, I, you know, I think, I guess one thing I was wondering, I mean, were you, are you kind of asking about like more like ideological frames? Like what do you do as a consumer or like, what does this mean? Well, for no, how do you make or... this? Those are also interesting questions that I will ask down the line. I was going to pretend, I'll just pretend that I thought of them. But the real <laughs> question was the, the real question was, well, how do we make this legible to people? Cause I don't think yeah. it's quite legible, you know, like it's like yeah. one of these things where you, you're like. Well, I did. This happens to me. I didn't really notice it because I never leave the house. Like it's getting, it's getting much worse. My like, uh, not leaving the house. Like, I never leave the house now. Anyway, I don't leave the house, and so I did go to, I did go to Walgreens recently, and I was like, what is going? I was like, these are some empty ass shelves here in Walgreens. You know, so people have that type mm, of experience. I see. You know, they're like, whoa, yeah. there's some empty ass shelves here, right? Or you go to, uh, you, I went to Berkeley Bowl. You know. And I was like, because I wanted to make split piece. This is the this is the least uh, split piece soup. This is the least sympathetic story ever. I want to make split piece soup, and I was like, well, I'm gonna need some ham hocks. So I went to the butcher, and I was like, do you have any ham hocks? And he was like, ham? No. And then he was like, he was like, well, yeah, we haven't had that in a while. And I was like, ah, supply chain. <laughs> <laughs> but those ham hocks are not coming from Vietnam. I know. I'm like. <laughs> Coming from I'm like just, Selena. Yeah, no. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
No, and you're like you could use a smoked turkey tail instead of ham hocks and as a oh. Don't I like this butcher guy. <laughs> smoked turkey. Are you out of your mind? What anyway, is a ham he, hock? I don't know what a ham hock is. Yeah, but the last time I made split pea soup, I used ham hocks, and they had them at Berkeley Bowl, and it was really good. I don't even like split pea soup. I love split you know? pea soup, but I only eat the vegetarian kind. So, oh, it's probably not as good. It probably is terrible because you need a ham. The whole yeah. point of the whole point Just of it, you need a device for me or a turkey tail. <laughs> you really like? Um, you like split pea soup? Not a fan. I make it because yeah, uh, I think it's yummy. It's okay. like dry we have a lot of split peas in our house. Andy, right. I feel like it's this is going to be like our focaccia discussion all over again. <laughs> I, I don't think I've had less of the shows that Cammy eats some terrible food. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. What was I saying? So how oh. do we think about that? Yeah. How do so, we make it legible so I mean, that it, it's not just me rambling about not finding <laughs> ham hocks? Ham hocks. Which is, I actually think, is the way that most people talk about the supply chain bus- uh, issue right mm-hmm. now. They're like, oh, yeah, this consumer good that I is no longer right. available. Or like cars are expensive now. Yeah. Yes. And our lap- I, I mean, I think that's one of the ironic things about the pandemic and that I think we've talked to, we talked about probably at the beginning of the show, which is that we're all <clears throat> much more reliant on all of these delivery services and the last mile part of like the overland supply chain, et cetera, et cetera. But we actually don't see any of these people. Like we see them even less than we did before. So, I mean, I guess I would just say like, I mean, it, this I don't mean this to sound as basic as it is, but just that literally every single part Every single thing that comes to us does touch so many hands. And a lot of those hands are people who are like sometimes making subminimum wages or like don't have the right to unionize, you know, and that like I, I think the Amazon, a lot of Amazon workers are probably going to have some sort of prime day action this week. Oh, um, nice. The labor conditions in Amazon oh, warehouses really? wow. around prime day are just like they're extraordinarily bad. It's basically mandatory overtime, double shifts. Um, you know, there's a lot of injuries around that. Um, and so I, I think just kind of thinking about that, thinking about, you know, not obviously that not buying a ham hock or not buying your kid's favorite toy isn't going to make change the world necessarily, but these consumer choices are additive and I think they do touch lives. And we have to think about like what kinds of conditions are operating in each of these particular yeah. links of the chain. Um, you know, and so I think that was the case like with that I wanted to highlight for trucking and, um, you know, and right. I think one of the difficulties also in the supply chain stuff from like a left wing point of view is that the workers themselves are really disconnected from one another because with every single different kind of work and like transportation, um, they don't see each other either. And so there's, you know, or when they do, it's in times of conflict when basically capital has turned them against one another. And so you see that on the docks, there's conflicts between dock workers and truckers at the point of the warehouse, there's, you know, conflict between the warehouse loaders and the truckers all at all of these moments. And so, I think it's a challenge for us as like a public and a consuming public, but also for the workers themselves to kind of see one another. Right. Right. I was, I was going to ask, maybe this is like, uh, I'm just like, I'm not just not understanding this part from the story, but you talked about how they get paid by the piece more or less. And, but who is paying them? Is it Walmart paying them or is it the, the, um, the docs the paying them? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there's, so the main system since containerization is Walmart pays Hapag Lloyd or Maersk right. to ship. Okay. Right. So they're paying for the container to come. Then Marisk and Hapag Lloyd have a contract with a trucking fleet 
Yeah. And so they take a piece off of that. And the trucking fleet then pays the independent contractor trucker as a con- subcontractor. Right. So they're basically so running it, it comes for... from Walmart, but through three or four different steps. Right. And the trucker gets a very small cut of it. So they're basically like a Uber Eats driver that, right, that is kind of like the last, the last link in the chain of this larger company that does like the above the board yeah. sort of like, right. Um, and I think that's an apt analogy because- the Uber, the Uber drivers in the same way are doing the <clears throat> of big base where, you know, right, I right. mean, the, the trucking relation, the truckers relationships with the carriers are more consistent in a way because right. they basically work. They are like, there's an argument that all of them are essentially misclassified employees. Right, right. But, you know, I mean, we say that about Uber Eats. Too. Right, right, right. Why did you, why do you think it's stronger in South Carolina? Because I thought the biggest ports were like LA and um, like, yeah, like, it's called, like why South Carolina versus yeah. the other ports? Yeah, I mean, I think it's so... Basically, since deregulation, like a lot of these truckers used to be in the Teamsters and are now no longer in the Teamsters. The long haul truckers, that there is still some unionization in that sector, in that part of the sector. Um, I would say the reason I focus on South Carolina is is a little bit incidental. Is basically like I was following this kind of like group that is organizing around the country, and it so happened that the South Carolina chapter at this point in time had become very strong. Um, I think like in LA and other parts, there is also organizing there. Um, but I think in South Carolina and some of these smaller ports, it's a little bit easier to do in some ways because they see a lot more of each other and mm-hmm. the sites are kind of more localized. Like the LA Long Beach complex is so huge that it's kind of difficult. But there is a group there actually, like mostly Latino port truckers who have been organizing for some years. Mm-hmm. Um, but the South Carolina thing kind of stuck out to me. I think also an uh, aggravating condition down there is just like South Carolina is so unorganized. Yeah. Like just right, right, right. national, it's the yeah. least organized. You said it's like the least unionized state in the yeah, country, right? in the country. Right. And so I think like some of these, it's like it's hitting a crisis point and I think like people are trying to figure out what to do. Yeah. And so I found that interesting. Are, but, you know, I think you could tell a similar story at any of the ports really. Are there versions of these drivers in other countries like in Europe or in Canada that are unionized or better organized or classified as employees um, that they could kind of point to as like, see, they do it because- Containerization means all these countries are kind of modeling each other in terms of their operations. Yeah, I think that's a good question. I haven't really done too much of an international scan, but my understanding is like this intermodal trucking thing is a real, is like the model is exactly the same everywhere. Uh, I think there is more employee-based port trucking in, in places where it's harder to do independent contracting classification. Right. But I think the trend is the same. Yeah. Um. Okay, one last question on this, Tammy, which is like, uh, I don't know, like, what do you, what do you foresee coming up, you know, down the line with this? Because it's, uh, it yeah. seems I've been reading a lot about this actually, just out of my own personal interest, and maybe because I thought also I should probably write about it at some point. But yeah, then that'd be great. I was like, well, I don't know, <laughs> I'm not very smart about this stuff, you know. So I was like, well, I'll just like, but um, my question the thing that is just like most people who seem to have some sort of understanding of what is happening um on the truck side of it right Mm -hmm. like i'm not talking about economists i'm talking about like people who are working in these areas they're kind of like doomsday like this is not going to get better right like these problems are here and they're going to just stay here and it's like a lot of things that happened in the pandemic where you just say okay uh, the pandemic gave this thing the nudge to fall over the edge, 
-hmm. right? But the point was that we were like basically scraping on the edge the whole time, right? And so like, like there's no solid middle to return to. Um, do you like, does that seem like a right assessment to you? Like, and, and the only reason I ask is just because like, it, obviously if supply chains are screwed up from here on out, right. And it's not, it's going to take years for us to recover. Then it does have a lot of impacts on everything, including left politics, right? Like, especially left politics, I would think like it would be very difficult to, um, there, it would also give some opportunities, I think, but you know, like nobody, like it also is very difficult to start things in, in periods of great scarcity. So yeah, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. So the trucking situation has been very bleak since the mid eighties, basically. Um, and you know, I, I, I'm not Pollyanna-ish about this at all. Like, I don't think a few hundred truckers organizing in South Carolina is necessarily going to overturn this industry. Right. But I think there are potentially a couple of positive signs that could make a difference in the next couple of years of trucking activism. So if the organizing still continues and they make good connections with, the longshore unions and the Teamsters, which you guys might have seen, but the Teamsters just elected a reform slate that's been trying to clean up the Hoffa Teamsters yep, for decades. Yep, yep. So that's right. pretty good news. They've promised to do organizing in Amazon and to look at some of these issues. Um, so so that's like kind of on the union side, like if there's actually unity between the Teamsters and the longshoremen and there's attention to truck truckers in that orbit, that could be actually really positive. The Biden administration is potentially looking at some of this stuff through the PRO Act and through misclassification regulations that could make a difference for truckers. The Supreme Court might hear a case on trucking pretty soon as well. Um, and then I think like, I think there's just a lot more attention to kind of like freelance labor generally in society. And so I think like the truckers are, can maybe, you know, kind of take advantage of that a little bit. So I would say like in general, while the situation is very, is fairly bleak, I think as long as the ports are as jammed up as they are, the truckers do have a little bit more leverage than they've ever had. Yeah. I think like in right. our lifetimes at least. And that was the conclusion of your piece, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, is it going to change? Like, I don't know. I don't you know. know. But I think like it, it feels like one of those labor tipping point moments. Yeah. And so I think it's a, a more of a live question than it has been. I thought it was compelling how, like, you know, this tragedy happens on the set of this movie, right? Oh, the Baldwin. And then suddenly the... The Ayatsi. Yeah, suddenly Ayatsi is all over the news, you Mm -hmm. know? And I actually thought that that was an interesting development because before there would be nothing about Ayatsi, even if the... Even if the Ayatsi... Even if the... Even if the... Even if the... Everything... Even if all the conditions were the same, right? Mm -hmm. Like... People are like, who cares about the that part? You know, like this is about Alec Baldwin and, and this person who is dead, right? But it's interesting how now there are, is this angle that has opened up, you know, and I do think actually it, it is somewhat hopeful, you know? I don't know. I heard like Alex Prest on our, my local NPR station talking about this for like an hour, you know? And mm. I was like, wow, they really dedicate a lot of time to this, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's not, and maybe, you know what? It might have been. It might have been Pacifica Radio. <laughs> it might not. Have, it might not have been there. It might not have been the NPR. It might have been the Dig Podcast. <laughs> like yes, the mainstream. Oh you know, like it's basically just like CNN, Pacifica Radio. You know? like, doing, no, she was great on it, yeah. but it was. Uh, it was. You know, I. But I guess my point is that like it is interesting to see that these things now get processed yeah. this way, right? Like, yeah. It, it does sort of. I mean, Tammy, you didn't, you know, this is not a piece you wrote for Truth Out, right? Like, it's a piece that is appearing in, in like a big publication. I think that's a reason yeah. for some hope in the media thing. But also, I think it also just shows that maybe there is like some 
um, maybe it indicates that there is some negotiating leverage at this point, right? Um, it's just hard to figure out. I wish someone would do a piece yeah. about about all these places that, you know, keep having to up, like at the fast food restaurants, they have to just keep upping the the wage that they're that they're offering. Um, mm. Really interested in that, just because, uh, you know, I don't know. People just aren't going to oh. do it still. You know, yeah. labor, short- labor shortages, still- right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right. 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 I I also um, think you know you said this earlier. Like most people, how do people process this? They probably process this as like, "Where's my Christmas gifts?" I do think that um, maybe when it becomes real, more real for people, there might be like you know there could they could go. Um, in a bad direction, you know, like, like I demand all, all this stuff get delivered to me all the time. It could also go in this direction where it does make people think about these things, not for the first time, but, you know, continue to think about these things. I feel like, um, yeah. the, uh, the whole like N95 stuff at the beginning of the pandemic made people think about this yeah. stuff in a bad direction. They were like, why is it made in China? And <laughs> not, true. not yeah. in, not in Michigan, you know, but, um, <laughs> there is, but I do think there is a, there, that's a, that is a opening in which people can, like people like us or, you know, other, other like leftists pouring attention on this stuff say like, you know, this thing that you've experienced in your life is connected to this real life thing, which is like Mm -hmm. the supply, this like very vulnerable interdependent system. And along the way, people like truckers or dog workers, et cetera, have been affected by this in a way that they probably, you know, two years ago would just find way too abstract to ever ever care about. There is a network we shall say of international workers. (laughs) Do you have anything to lose? They're connected to each other. Yeah. <laughs> um, like my last, here's my last take on this. Right, I kind of think that people need to sort of, uh, I, you know, like I think that like one thing that could happen out of this, you know, that would be good is that like people like you know, kind of like be like, all right, we're gonna chill with these this Christmas consumerism for yeah. a year. That'd be nice. You know, we're gonna go Korean. <laughs> Or old school Korean. I never got any gifts as a child, you know? Like, uh, I mean, my parents sometimes gave me Christmas gifts. Never got birthday gifts, partially because I was born, you know, six days after Christmas. But, Tammy, did you get gifts as a child? You were born on New Year's Eve? Yeah. Yeah, born on New Year's Eve. Um, But uh, did you get gifts as a child? I I did. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, this isn't my a. You can't just feel like my childhood was the Korean thing. Yeah, to, to I was like, what are you talking about? Apparently, they're just cheap. Yeah. <laughs> what, the, what the fuck? <laughs> my world is blown right now. I'm oh gonna my call God. my mom and be like, "Listen, you told me that you never got me gifts because it was Korean." Apparently, but Tammy says, <laughs> "Tammy, you sold them out." Hilarious. <laughs> you really Andy, got a lot did of you? gifts. <laughs> yeah, my dad would let me pick out one video game. And I would just buy, buy my own oh. gifts, basically. Aww. Maybe because they oh didn't know God, how to I buy Christmas got, gifts. I never got anything. Um, were they gifts. Christians? Uh, well, no. yeah, like not really. <laughs> they like. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, now I, you know, instead of giving my no Poor Christmas Jay. cake, I'm just reliving childhood trauma. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, did they give you cash or anything? No. No, no. cash. Red envelopes. No. no. I didn't get anything. I mean, I'm sure they'll contest this if they're listening. Given that they're on a very long car ride, I'm sure that maybe they are actually listening. But listen, you know, I just think but it's fine. The only bad result is that I'm also bad at giving gifts now. But then mm-hmm. I also just think in my head, just like giving gifts is dumb. Yeah. You know, like I'm not into it. Like Christmas gifts, like what's the point? 
right? Like, what are we doing here? Like, why do we have to do all of this? Like, and, and waste all this paper with wrapping and make this huge mess, you know? <laughs> I don't know. But you guys have, I mean, what are you guys going to do about your daughters? Because how demanding are they in this season? Too young. Mm. Oh, yeah? I, okay. Yeah, she doesn't really know that it's happening or that That's Christmas good. is a thing associated with presents. The thing that does happen is that, like, we have this rule that if she wants to buy books, she can just have what we can get her whatever books she wants and so mostly she just goes to the bookstore and then at the bookstore she'll like see a toy and then she'll add it i feel like also not a book (laughs) yeah i mean but with all this like black friday stuff it's like we don't even do christmas anymore people just start buying things yeah a month early for themselves right that's so true my sister turned 40 today so happy birthday to my sister and i bought her a present for her 40th birthday but i can't you know I can't deliver it to her until later, but that's about it. I was like, well, she turned 40. I'm going to get her a big, you know, a nice present. Every 10 years, it seems <laughs> worthwhile, but I just don't get it. Every round number year. Yeah, every round number <laughs> Like, if you're soft, you can do it every five years, but, you know, like, we, we only was do it sis- every 10 years. I think there was flooding in your sister's area. What? Not I have really. no idea. Do you know? Okay. Anyway. I have no right. idea. Um, okay. I think we're done. Yeah. Did we forget Good to, to talk see about you guys? Something? Yeah. Enjoy the Kami, It's great. I can't believe we can do the show while you're in Korea. You had oh, that amazing Korean Do you have windows so fast. for like fresh air? Yeah. But you can't like But leave. the pollution is so bad that I keep getting these like extreme emergency alerts not to open the windows, but we do anyway. Cause... This is like the industrial zone. Can you breathe out the window with your Corona breath? <laughs> I know. Are seriously. They... <laughs> <laughs> They're probably going to catch me on CCTV. Wait, how many people are wearing masks and shit? Can you see out the window and see? So we did take, we were, we were allowed to walk back from the health center and everyone on the street wears a mask like 100% of the time. That's crazy. Even outdoors? when they're like alone yeah, outdoors. Yeah. Cool. So I don't uh, know. What's the vaccination rate at this point? It's still it's pretty like 80, low. 80 something. Oh, yeah, so great. they're, they're up there. Yeah. So but the rates they're... are going up a lot right now. I are don't they know really? Why. Wow. They're just like, well, I think it's, uh, yeah. I don't know, it's probably just waning vex- antibody stuff with the vaccine, right? I got boosted and I once again oh, felt nothing. Yeah. So then now I'm just basically like, I basically am producing no antibodies, you know? Everything just runs through me like <laughs> like diarrhea, you know? It's just like- It's very it's vivid. In and out. And then I, the, my body's like, well, whatever, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't particularly interesting. <laughs> So I'm hoping if I get COVID, <laughs> it'll be like that too. Um, all right. Thank you for listening to our show. We do this every single week. Uh, I haven't been on the show in a while. I forgot what I was supposed to say. Oh, you can email us at time to say goodbye pod at gmail.com. If you'd like to support the show for just $5 a month and uh, have access to our Discord server where we have lively conversations all the time. Um, you can it's uh, goodbye.substack.com and if you would like to um, yeah if you go there there will be an option where you can subscribe if you'd like to reach us you can reach us on twitter at, at TTSGpod thanks for yeah Tammy this is cool um, so no, will no, you be out be there for the... three months I'm lonely so it's good to see will you be in quarantine you you four? yeah we should oh we'll figure out God. another schedule it's going to be awesome. You're going to be like so much more friendly. <laughs> <I know. laughs> yeah.
Can I touch up my toes? <laughs> They've been doing these really weird. I've never noticed. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. All right. Uh, see you guys later. See you guys. Okay, say come me, come me, come me a luna, say we go.